Hey, welcome to the Health Coaches Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's episode, a question. Would you like to become a wicked effective health coach to help people change their behaviors, change their habits, change their health destinies, and to be able to do it through a reliable process, one that works every time? If so, I'd invite you to check out the WellStart Health Coach Training Academy. And you can find it at wellstartcoach.com. And you can check and see when we're running our next training course. All right, let's get to today's topic. Hey, welcome to the Health Coaches Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Howard Jacobson. And today I want to talk about the difference between two really classic approaches that our clients take when it comes to achieving their goals. And I'm going to begin with a couple of ditties from my childhood. First one, you'll get it right away. I can't get no satisfaction. Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. Second one, a little more obscure if you didn't grow up during the same time I did. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Of course, that's the Alka-Seltzer commercial. And those two songs highlight the two ways that our clients come to us, probably unconsciously, and we have to listen for which one they're coming at and help them shift very often. So the two are satisfaction and relief. And our clients almost always come to us for relief. So what's the difference between satisfaction and relief? Relief is an avoidance strategy. Something bad is going on that they want to get away from, to mitigate, to make it stop, to distract themselves from. It's just I've had enough. Make it stop. Satisfaction, on the other hand, is filling a need in a positive way. It's moving toward something. It's achieving something. It's gaining something. Relief is almost always temporary by virtue of the fact that we're just moving away from a thing without actually addressing it. Satisfaction can be not necessarily permanent, but a stepping stone to even greater accomplishments. It's moving in a positive direction. And as I said, our clients almost always come in wanting relief instead of satisfaction. Why? Why would someone say, OK, just, you know, make the headache stop rather than give me radiant health? So there's a couple of reasons. One is the thing that is bothering them is foremost in their consciousness. So if you're driving along and you're having a beautiful day and all of a sudden you hear a siren and you're uh, and you look in your rearview mirror and you see lights behind you coming up closer and closer, that eclipses everything else. You stop thinking about the song you're listening to and singing to on the radio. You stop thinking about the nice place you're going. You just think, oh, did I just get caught for speeding? So the negative in our brain naturally claims a lot of brain space, right? It's we, we are loss averse to a greater extent than that we are, you know, whatever the opposite is, gain desirous. All right. So we have this loss aversion circuit because deep in, you know, the annals of our evolutionary past, one of our ancestors was a little bit jumpy and a little bit too quick to run away from things. And that guy survived or that gal survived, even though it wasn't the most 
happy or necessarily even efficient heuristic. It worked under the circumstances. So we've all got a little bit of that in us. So when something in our life isn't working, that's what we focus on. Right. When I um, when I look at my windows here and I see beautiful clean windows, what I what do I see? I see the smudge. I see the bird poop. I see the insect stain. I don't see the beauty, the perfection, the great things. I just see what needs to be fixed. And so our clients come to us with that mindset. Now, partly there's a selection bias because they've come to us. They want help. They're a little bit desperate. They've said enough is enough. And so they're even more likely to be focused on the negative thing that they're trying to get relief from. But there's a couple of other reasons that are less easy to shift, which is what we want to do. We want to shift them from relief mode into satisfaction mode, into chasing a positive, into um, approaching what they want rather than fleeing from what they don't want. We'll talk about why in a little bit. But the other two reasons that um, that people cling to the relief mentality rather than the satisfaction mentality is that they can't even imagine the true satisfaction of their needs. They can't imagine what it would be like to not have this problem. So they frame their life in terms of not having the problem by focusing on the problem. So if I tell you, don't think of a purple polar bear. The only way you cannot think of a purple polar bear is by thinking of a purple polar bear. And the only way you can think about not being overweight or not having high blood sugar or not having back pain is to focus on the blood sugar, the weight, the back pain. So in that case, their minds literally don't have a swap out. They don't have an alternative to thinking about the thing they don't want. When they think about the thing they don't want, what are they thinking about? The thing they want. The, sorry, the thing they don't want. When they, let me try that one again. When they are trying not to think about the thing they don't want, the only way to do it is by thinking about the thing they don't want. Bingo! Score! Use of English language acceptable. Or even more debilitating, they may fear to imagine the true satisfaction of their goals. Why would someone fear true satisfaction? Why would someone fear happiness, um, pleasure, joy, getting what they want? A couple of reasons there. One is they think they don't deserve it. Like, OK, if I work really hard and you can see this in in terms of how people think about their own diets and lifestyles, it's like like, well, this is the body that I've earned. And so if I'm going to change it, I'm going to have to punish myself, beat myself up, make myself miserable, deprive myself of delicious food, force myself into uh, difficult, strenuous, painful physical feats. So that's all coming from a deserve mentality. And it's not a healthy, like natural consequences deserve mentality. It's a I am not morally pure. So if I beat myself up, maybe I can get this thing. The people do feel like they do not deserve good things like maybe make it stop. You know, I'll sell my soul for that. But true happiness, ongoing joy, satisfaction, pleasure, fulfillment. Uh, I don't deserve it. And so going for it and not getting it was inevitable and will be incredibly painful. Don't get my hopes up. Don't you get my hopes up.
which is why very often when we see clients and they come in and they're unaware of the power of lifestyle, of a whole food plant based diet, of mindfulness, of good sleep and all this, they say, well, I just want to, you know, reduce my meds a little and maybe lose five pounds because I've tried everything. And we look at them and we see like Michelangelo staring at the block of marble, seeing David, seeing this uh, this level of, of perfection that they can't even imagine. And we express that to them. They can run away. That's too much for them because they think they don't deserve it. And so the thought of getting something they don't deserve causes too much cognitive dissonance, too much fear. They will run away. They will leave you for someone who promises them something much less. Another reason that they might fear ch chasing satisfaction is what if they get it? and lose it again, because hasn't that happened to all of us? We've gotten something and lost it. We went on the diet, we lost the 30 pounds and then we fell off the wagon and it all came back. We took a workshop on you know, communication or anger management. We were really cool with people and then we blew our top and everyone said, oh, there they go again. Right. So the, the thought of having and losing in our minds can be even more painful than the thought of never getting it in the first place. So we have our clients coming to us typically strongly oriented to relief, to just make it a little bit better and relief. Remember, like as soon as we achieve relief, we're done. I will take Alka-Seltzer until my stomach feels better. I'm not going to keep taking Alka-Seltzer. I'll take aspirin until my headache goes away, but I'm not going to keep taking aspirin. The key feature of relief is that once it's been achieved, once we've moved away from that negative, we're done. And of course, that's not a sustainable approach, because as soon as we we're done, all the forces that created that negative are going to start pushing us back towards it. And so we are going to spend our lives oscillating between pain and slightly less pain, pain and a little bit less pain, pain and a lot less pain, pain, etc. Back and forth, like being being whipped by a rubber band that's attached to the pain. And the farther we get from it, the stronger the force of the rubber band of all our habits and behaviors and systems and processes pulling us back towards that place. On the other hand, when we seek satisfaction, we are being drawn towards it. We are being pulled in a forward direction. And when, again, when we're looking for relief, we're like, I want this not to be. But that doesn't replace it with anything. So what we want is I want this to be. And once we see the this, once I see myself at 155 pounds, once I can imagine myself hiking a mountain or ballroom dancing in my 70s, then I can my brain immediately starts to reverse engineer. How do I get there? What's you know, the, it's like putting the destination in the GPS. One of the writers who has done the most eloquent work on this is Robert Fritz. It was in his book, The Path of Least Resistance, and he refers to it's the artist's way of creating. So if you imagine Leonardo thinking about uh, the Mona Lisa and starting with a blank canvas, the only way to draw the Mona Lisa is for Leonardo to have a vision, an image of the finished product. And he looks at the blank canvas and he assesses the delta. What's the difference between the black canvas and the vision in his head? And he starts working to narrow the gap. So he's being drawn forward. The satisfaction is the vision in his mind. 
And unlike many of us who get onto a diet and we lose weight and we're five pounds from our goal and then we're like, ah, well, I lost my motivation. I'm just going to eat a cheeseburger and some fries now. Leonardo didn't lose his motivation 10 brushstrokes away from finishing the Mona Lisa. In fact, the closer he got, the more motivated he was. You see this if you ever go to a marathon and you stand at the finish line and you watch people who have been broken by the race. Their heads are down. They're trudging. They can barely lift their hips. And then they see that finish line and they hear the crowd. And all of a sudden, second wind, burst of energy, and they go moving forward because the finish line is an extremely powerful motivator. There is no finish line in the world of relief, but there is a finish line in the world of satisfaction. So I want to leave you with one way, one tool to begin to shift our clients from relief mode into satisfaction mode. And this comes from the work by Stephen Hayes on ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, who recognizes that most, most people come in in a negative state of mind, in an avoidant framework. And so here it is. Someone says, I just want to, you know, not be so out of control with my eating. I just want to be able to not be at the mercy of these cravings. What do you say? You say, well, so you can say, you know, um, great. Well, let's work on that. You can say, um, you know, OK, here's um, here's seven things to do to start to deal with your cravings. Or we can start to convert it to satisfaction and say, if that were true, if you weren't in and remember what we're doing here, we're not changing the words in their mouth. We're not immediately jumping to if you didn't have cravings, we're saying if you were able or if we don't say things like if you are able to control your eating, because that's already getting it more positive and it may not be where they are. So we start right where they are. If you weren't being whipped around by your cravings, echoing back, mirroring back the language they use, if you weren't at the mercy of your cravings, what would there be instead? Or what would you have instead? Or what would you experience instead? Something like that. So you're putting the negative on the table and you're asking them to erase it and look at what is currently a blank. Because they have to fill that blank with something. So if you're if you weren't at the mercy of your cravings, what would it be like? What would you be having instead? And they might say, well, I wouldn't be uh, making terrible food choices all the time. It's beautiful. And if you weren't making terrible food choices all the time, what would you be doing instead? Right? And we keep going until they get to a neutral and ideally to a positive. So we're slowly we're not trying to whiplash them into, hey, think positive. Instead, we're using the negatives, using the language they're using, using their own mental framework to say relief is perfectly acceptable. We're not saying stop thinking about relief. You're thinking too small. You're just going to go back to it because it doesn't work because of structural blah, blah, blah. Instead, we're saying, beautiful, I want you to have this relief. And, and I'm curious when you have this relief, what will be true instead? What new things will be or be? What new experiences, what new opportunities, what new possibilities? And now they are articulating in their own way, in their own language, 
not the absence of the negative, but beginning to shift towards the positive. And once you've got that, now you've got something to work on to build a plan from. And you'll find, of course, that satisfaction once they construct it themselves and they don't feel pulled or pressured once they build it with their own metaphors and their own words, then that becomes a motivating force. So not only can you work with it? Does it start to pull the client forward towards that goal naturally, just as uh, the finished Mona Lisa in Leonardo's mind makes him put certain brushstrokes and move inexorably towards it? Always, you know, testing, trying things out, false starts, but a direction. But that positive vision can also take on its own life as a motivator. All right, so give that a try. Uh, if you have anything you want to us to talk about on the Health Coaches podcast, me or Kevin Davis, my co-host, uh, drop us a line. Tell, please tell people about this podcast so we can uh, grow and spread the word. And if you would like to participate in the next uh, Wellstart Health Coach Academy, the training program by which uh, Kevin and I train people to be health coaches, check out. Don't tell me WellstartCoach.com. And we're going to start a new one in late winter, in early winter, December uh, 2020, and it will be Europe friendly. So the time of the live sessions will be 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern time, which means friendly for all of Europe. And if you're not doing a nine to five job, friendly for U.S. as well. If you're in Hawaii, you might have to get up a little bit early. Again, it's wellstartcoach.com, and we will equip you to be a wicked effective health coach. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you're on YouTube, have a great day. I hope you found that helpful. So if you'd like to become a health coach or maybe you already are a health coach and you'd like some additional training and more skills, or perhaps you're a health professional, a doctor, nurse, dietitian, etc., who would like to be able to influence your patients more effectively. Again, check it out. Wellstartcoach.com. All right. Have a great day.